Mr. Gilmore. Mr. Pombriant, how are you? Hmm. Well, I'm just finishing my tea. I'm wonderful. Are you Are you well? Uh, I am. It's a lovely day here in sunny uh, California. Good. And uh, And what's the weather like where you are? Improving. <laughs> yeah, that's not... what that's what you always say if you're in the northeast. I am outside of Boston, and it is warm enough to melt snow. That's all I can tell you. Is there snow to melt? Oh, dude, we are having the great winter going out of business sale right now. Excellent. So uh, what should we talk about today? Well, you know, I was thinking about that, and, and I got to tell you, I was really, uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, affected, brought low, brought down by the, um, the college admissions scandal. Mm. And um, I know some people are in court today already and, you know, for their arraignments, and that's fine. But uh, I had a hypothesis yesterday when... Um, various papers published the lists of the parents in, involved. And the hypothesis was, was that these parents should have been the beneficiaries of the meritocracy uh, that they bribed their way out of, or, you know, they bribed their way into trouble uh, by trying to go around the, the meritocracy. And, um, I was right. I, I can't believe how many people in that list are sort of self-made, uh, worked hard, came from uh, ordinary beginnings. Uh, not every single one of them. There, there are one or two exceptions. But uh, it, uh, by and large, these are, these are people who had, um, had to work for what they got, uh, had a couple of advantages, and uh, just like threw it all away. Uh, them to work uh, for their kids as well as it worked for them. Well, but you don't know uh, what worked for them in terms of their uh, path to success. Uh, it may have been a combination of talent and luck, and, but there might also been, uh, you know, a judicious use of pressure and connections, etc. So uh, I'm not so sure. I mean, the thing that would, I think, and we haven't seen it yet, but we'll probably hear it, is that this is another symptom of uh, the uh, numbing effect that uh, our president has on our uh, morals and ethics. But, you know, the fact is, is that this thing's been going on for 10 years. This thing's been going on for 10 years, and, and frankly, um, the first thing I thought of when I, when I saw this, thing, this scandal unfolding is that uh, Donald Trump has a, a degree, a bachelor's degree only, from Wharton. He transferred in uh, in his sophomore or junior year, so he's only there a couple of years. And it, it, it makes me wonder uh, what kind of strings Fred had to pull to get his, uh, his son into Wharton. I mean, you'll never know. I mean, it's just a hypothesis or it's just a speculation. It's not even a hy hypothesis. But it reminds me of the, uh, you know, what people say, what, what Trump said about uh, 
uh, you know, not paying taxes, which was, you know, basically everybody does it. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that that's an excuse for these people. Uh, I agree with you that this is a terrible uh, outcome uh, more than anything for their children, uh, you know, because of the doubts that it raises about, you know, what is this, uh, wh to what end? But the, but the, by the same token, the, everything seems to be so uh, uh, Twitterized uh, these days that we don't take into account that uh, the pressures, I mean, we feel it as parents. Uh, you know, I've got a, a one girl out of college and one girl uh, just starting college. And the, you know, the pressures uh, to succeed and even more important, the uh, difficulty of identifying what success is uh, in terms of college uh, is it's a pressure that really uh, sneaks up on you uh, you know like you know 18 years after conception it sneaks up on us but uh, well you can't, we, we want to do justify. anything you we can't justify this behavior we want to, I, I agree, but we emotionally, we want to do anything to help our children. Emotionally, that's true. But uh, at some point, uh, there's, there's, you know, the, the super ego is supposed to um, kick in and you're, you're supposed to, as a functioning adult in this society, you're supposed to know right from wrong. You're supposed to, you're supposed to know that, you know, we compete hard, but we don't break the rules. We don't bribe. Um, clearly. Well, I'm, I'm not sure that that's what the message that most people get. Uh, it's that uh, if you want to, if you have rules that you can break, uh, often that is what you should be doing uh, if you want to optimize uh, the chances. I mean, the, the issue is not getting caught. And of course, uh, that actually goes to the real ethics of it. But uh, Oh, my only point would be that uh, as a parent, uh, you're dealing with this uh, awesome kind of uh, question in the minds of your child. Basically, uh, oh, my God, I actually have to f figure out what to do uh, in life. Uh, you know, Steve, I think we're having we're having a, a discussion that probably goes all the way back to ancient Greece uh, with one side one side Sparta and the other side Athens. Um, and what does that mean? Well, there, there's an old story in, 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 in Sparta, uh, in Spartan history about um, the, the boy who, who captured a, a fox and um, the, the, hid the fox in his tunic. And long story short, uh, he couldn't get rid of the fox without getting caught. So uh, the fox basically bit him in, to death or something. And, and uh, the, so the kid died. And uh, the, the, the big sin that he was trying to avoid was getting caught, not, um, not anything else. Uh, Athenians would think completely differently uh, about that situation. They would, never, uh, uh, they would never approach the... The, the conundrum as a, a, a 
a life and death situation. And I think these people uh, in this sting operation or whatever you want to call it, um, considered, considered uh, it a life and death kind of uh, situation where they had to get their kids into an elite school. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've, I've read biographies on a lot of these people and, um, you know, they have degrees from, uh, you know, for example, there's one with a, a BS in marketing in 1986 from Providence College, founded her own uh, retail company. Uh, that is the crux of the story for a, a lot of these people. A lot of these people had had good educations, not at elite schools uh, for the most part, uh, didn't come from wealth and made something of themselves. Now, there are some notable exceptions. For example, um, I was surprised to learn that uh, the actress Felicity Huffman came from, uh, came from wealth and came from uh, a multi-generational uh, uh, family of, of pretty deep success. Her, her, her father was a um, partner at Morgan Stanley. Her great-grandfather was uh, the founder of a, a, a cartridge company, a bullet company, basically, in the 18th century, uh, a writer, too. Let's see, uh, another great-grandfather graduated from Yale. Uh, Felicity Huffman was, was afforded an enormous number of um, uh, privileges in, in her life. She went to uh, the Putney School in Vermont. She, um, she attended New York University, the Circle in the Square Theater School, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London. Um, she's kind of the exception. The, 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 the bread and butter of this story is, is more like people like uh what's her name the other actress lori uh laughlin she she was uh she was born in queens grew up in hapag is that how you pronounce it i think so um lived, grew up on on long island went to the public schools uh her dad was a foreman at new at new york telephone company um she, and you know she she made an acting career out of, you know, her, her grit and, and, and her competitiveness. Yet time after time, you see these people paying big bucks to have, to have others take SAT tests for their children or to uh, uh, get their kids accepted as, as uh, athletic stars when they weren't. Um, just mind-blowing. Perhaps the, I'll get off this soapbox in just a second. There's one person in this group who's a radiation oncologist from Palo Alto. His name is Gregory Colbert. They were charged, he and his wife were charged with paying to have someone else take their son's SAT test. Now think about it. You've got, a, you've got an MD after your name and you've, you've done a five-year residency in radiation oncology and you don't trust your own gene pool to be able to take an SAT test. What is wrong with this picture? Are well, you there? Yeah. Uh, uh, can you answer the question? What is wrong? What why, is wrong? Uh, why are these um, choices being made? It seems to me that they're being made because there's a fundamental disconnect about uh, you know, what the future is. 
I think that's I think that's a little too um, hypothetical. I think I think we've got a society that has um, corrupted itself. A society that doesn't understand good and bad anymore in any real sense. But, you know, that goes back to my uh, earlier point, which is this has been going on. uh, This particular uh, game has been going on for uh, over a decade. And the Republic is almost 250 years old. What's the point? Well, that's what I'm asking is, is that, you know, uh, when you... Some people would say that the election uh, in 2016 was about the, uh, uh, you know, basically anger uh, at uh, the notion that, uh, you know, your children are going to be better off than you. Uh, Is that do you do you buy that? um, Yes and no. I think uh, I think the. The election of Donald Trump is more a symptom than cause. Um, and I also, as you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in um, long wave economic cycles, K waves. And I, I, I see us at the end of uh, one K wave and the beginning of another. And uh, ending the ends of K waves uh, play out exactly as what we're seeing right now, which is that. Uh, um, capital benefits, early in a K-wave, labor benefits. And uh, we're, we're now at, at the tipping point between the, the old wave of uh, information and telecommunications and the new wave of, uh, of uh, sustainability. And I think we're, we're be, you know, sustainability is, is ramping up. We're, we're seeing some uh, uh, industry creation and job creation uh, that goes along with it to help diffuse um, sustainable solutions throughout throughout uh, the, the society. Things so, will look a lot different in 10 years. And, and in five years, what do you think uh, we're going to see that's going to be helpful uh, for that 10-year uh, vision? Well, I think, I think we're already at a point where um, we're beginning to see the, the scale step. The fact that uh, multiple car makers, for example, are bringing uh, electric cars to market is a positive sign. The, the fact that uh, there, there is uh, uh, now a market for industrial strength, uh, renewable power from windmills and from mills is, is a positive. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the, the top two jobs uh, in America for uh, people who only have a, ho- a high school degree are uh, so solar panel installation technician and wind turbine uh, technician, and both of those jobs pay over a hundred thousand dollars. So I think, I think over over the next five years, you'll see much more of that kind of thing happening. And I think in years three, four, five, you'll you'll hear much more conversation about uh, uh, installing uh, charging stations throughout uh, parking lots, for example, to accommodate. Uh, the burgeoning electric car market. Uh, you'll see other things too. I think uh, I think we're right there on the cusp. Let me let me throw a, a I would say curveball, but something tells me to say slider at you, which is uh, uh, Facebook announced uh, 
uh, in the past week or so, uh, Zuckerberg wrote an article to the, this effect, and basically it indicated to me, and I think to you as well, on some level, some of the discussions that we've had about micro networks and uh, Dunbar numbers and uh, the mapping over of the advertising industry to a combination of uh, uh, subscriptions and uh, notifications. So uh, uh, what he proposed or suggested that uh, was what they were going to do uh, was basically a continuation of, uh, it was characterized in this uh, article as a move into private messaging as opposed to public uh, you know, broadcasting in, in a social media sense. Uh, do you see any relationship between uh, what he's talking about uh, and the, uh, uh, the things that we've talked about so far in terms of the uh, collapse of the earlier K-wave uh, beginning to bleed through to the uh, growth of a uh, a more powerful new wave? Um, I do, although I, I, I agree with all of that. However, I, I don't see uh, Mark Zuckerberg as, as any kind of messenger. I think, I think Zuckerberg's really trying desperately to change the, the subject of the conversation. I don't know for sure, or I am suspicious that he does not know uh, what he's talking about. Well, my, just to inject quickly, uh, my opinion is that he's describing what their plans are, uh, and you know that can be seen as a as a rationale for uh, what they're doing. But I think that they've been for several years now. They've been building the messenger, Facebook Messenger environment up, uh, and basically they're now sort of cutting uh, loose the. Uh, second stage rocket of the homepage uh, of the uh, the news stream, uh, which I think is a calculation that he's making. I'm not sure that he's right about it, but I think that that's what this announcement is about. It's he's not a it's not a political announcement. It's a economic announcement. Well, I tell you what, I think I think he's the wrong guy for it. Um, I don't think he, he, he knows how to do that. And I'll, I'll, I'll make a simple analogy here. Um, IBM didn't invent the mini computer. They couldn't. Digital didn't invent the PC. They couldn't. Um, they, they were captives of their own success. And I think, I think Zuckerberg and Facebook are captives of, of their success. And they're going to, they wrote it up and they're going to write it down. I think, I think, uh, messaging or, or micro networking is uh, is for a whole new crop of uh, entrepreneurs. So do you, do you see any kind of indication uh, for people who are entering college right now? Uh, do you see any kind of move toward understanding that technology or the, the transformation that's uh, going on in technology as being something that they can sink their teeth into? Well, I barely speak English. I, I can't, I don't speak with the, these people, but I will say that they are digital natives. So I think they're absorbing it all by osmosis. Okay, well, I tried. Go ahead. 
You tried where do, we go, where do we go from here? Are we going to wait for five years to see uh, $100,000 jobs for our kids? Uh, you know, installing solar panels? Is that what we're waiting for? No, I think, uh, I think uh, kids that don't get to college uh, will be grateful for, for those kinds of jobs. I think uh, perhaps uh, uh, kids that do get to college will uh, continue doing internships and looking for the right fit. The, the labor market's pretty good for, for new entrants right now. They, they, with a 3.8% uh, unemployment rate, uh, people who are hiring are hiring anybody they can, they can find that, that, you know, that, that passes uh, a background check. Uh, and if you think about it, uh, that is that is the way uh, the tech sector got started. When I when I got started in tech, almost at the beginning of, of that whole uh, move, um, there weren't a lot of people with exact skill sets coming out of school to uh, to take new jobs, jobs that were emerging. Um, yeah, some of the best programmers I knew uh, had degrees in psychology. Um, the first tech firm I worked for uh, was founded by four MIT graduates. Um, it was a software company. None of them had a, a formal education in software because MIT didn't have a computer science major when, when they were going through. They, they were mechanical engineers. One of them was an electrical engineer. So um, I, think, I think the combination of... of uh, New paradigm, uh, sustainability, uh, opening jobs, uh, tight labor market, uh, and a lot of uh, willing labor is going to provide the right environment for a lot of on-the-job training. So this is kind of like a, the trade school approach to uh, making this leap from uh, you know, high school to uh, the workforce. In some regards, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of the jobs, a lot of the jobs in an early K wave, uh, are are associated with diffusing the the disruption, and they don't require uh, an advanced education or much education at all. So, how do you think emotionally uh, this is going to play out in terms of? Uh, you mentioned the three point eight uh, unemployment rate. Uh, isn't that a particularly powerful tool for Trump's re-election? I think it could be. I think, um, you know, there's a, there's a 100% uh, employment rate on a plantation, yet uh, uh, no, nobody wants to say that's a good idea. So I think, um, I think there are plenty of reasons to, uh, if you're Donald Trump, to worry about getting re-elected. Um, and I think uh, over the next two years, we're going to see more and more of them spill out of uh, investiga investigations in Congress. And of course, there's the Mueller probe that uh, we'll see sometime. We'll see a report from them sometimes this year. Um, Donald Trump likes to uh, tout the stock market, likes to tout uh, the employment figures when they're good. But, um, you know, that's not that's not enough to get reelected on. Well, uh, he has to have somebody who's competitive with him. It seems to me that uh, the, the Democrats uh, 
or the combination of the Democrats and the independents need to find a, a, a voice which suggests some of the economic power that Trump is uh, realizing right now, uh, along with uh, a, a more ethical uh, in infrastructure, if you will. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, in order to, uh, I think the Democrats need a better message than uh, Green New Deal or um, uh, voting rights or, or anything else. A lot of those things are, are piecemeal. They don't, they don't provide an, an integrated, orchestrated uh, rationale for taking the country in, a, in another direction. A lot of people think that uh, the, 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 the country's direction must be okay because those numbers are so good, but um, they're ephemeral. They're not going to last. And, and uh, you know, as, as I've documented elsewhere, especially in my books, um, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pain on the horizon, whether it's in, uh, the, the failing energy paradigm or, or, um, uh, pollution and, and, and environmental issues, or even, even down to, uh, uh, water and the need, the need for clean water and, and the desertification of many parts of the globe. The, the Middle East is, is, is always been dry and it's getting drier. Uh, and there are countries like uh, Iran, Iraq, Yemen, uh, and, and others in the Horn, Horn of Africa that uh, are, are hanging on, barely have enough water. Syria doesn't have enough water. Syria's civil war got started over water. Um, those, are, those are the challenges ahead. Those are sustainability challenges. Um, but but we need a, we need a narrative that says, look, we 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 have to solve this this Rubik's cube, uh, and we have to solve Rubik's cube the way you always solve Rubik's cube, which is to say, you got to solve six sides at once. You can't you can't you're not playing whack a mole. And do you see any uh, indication that uh, that this coming election is going to be dispositive to this, or uh, do you see this as uh, I mean, what I'm hearing is we start to see the economic impacts of this turnaround uh, or transformation uh, in about five years. So are we talking about four and a half years of extreme pain? No, not at all. I think I think a clever politician will do what uh, what Bill Clinton did in 92, which is to say, hold on. Excuse me. I'm getting over cold. In '92, Clinton Clinton knew that the internet was was alive and well and and ready to do business, and uh, he uh, he got in front of that parade, uh, and uh, the nation and he were very successful early on at promoting. It. I think I think <laughs> excuse me, oh, I'm dying. I think the same kind of thing is going to happen with sustainability. I think, I think whoever uh, is the next president, it'll, it'll be a Democrat, I'm sure of that, uh, is going to say, hey, um, it's, it's not simply a, a Green New Deal. It's, it's a new K-wave. So uh, you, you say that uh, Clinton got ahead of the digital wave. I, I, I've never heard that before. Why do you think that's true? 
I'm sorry, can you repeat? Clinton got ahead with what? Of the, uh, you know, technology, digital. He understood the Internet uh, was here. What what evidence do you have of that? Um, the historical record. Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head when the first browser, when Mark Andreessen uh, brought the first browser to market. That was really... That was really the uh, uh, the turning point, turning the internet from, you know, the an internet with a, a teletype interface to a worldwide web with, with a very graphical, easy to use interface. But I would suggest to you that the t- the two things uh, started out very, very uh, close together in the early '90s. But what did Clinton see uh, that uh, that he could use? Uh, to be able to sort of leapfrog or uh, uh, help this country uh, make that transition. I, I mean, I, I think you're, the timing's right. Uh, yeah. a, a little earlier than uh, Clinton's election was uh, about four or five years earlier than the the advent of of the obvious parts of the web. But it was it was certainly synchronous. Well, take yourself back to that era. It uh, uh, it was a time of relative stagnation in tech. Uh, the the we were waiting for client server to to become industrial grade, and every year was in the 1990s was said to be the year of the of the network, and it took almost a whole decade for for client server and networks to become viable. And um, so, so there's great stasis in, in tech, I think. Um, you know, the, the mini computer companies, for example, hit hard times and went out of business. And, I, and uh, uh, right around that, that time, uh, Clinton came in and uh, he had great, I think he had great faith in uh, our ability to do things technologically. Uh, I think he had insight. He had a uh, he had a great federal bureaucracy full of uh, reports and and working papers uh, on what was coming down the pike in technology, and and not to be flippant, but he had Al Gore who invented the internet, so people say. So he had he had uh, a lot of information at his fingertips, and he had Al Gore helping to steer some of some of that understanding. And then uh, what happened? What happened was the internet became an, an overnight sensation. We had the dot com, <clears throat> excuse me, the dot com boom, and uh, the economy. The economy did extremely well. So so much so that uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan had to testify before Congress and saying basically, uh, "We're doing really well. I don't know why." But but in point of fact, what, what was happening was when networking became useful, uh, all of the investment in desktop computing suddenly got strung together and caused an enormous uh, uh, productivity gain throughout American business and industry. Right. This is around the Y2K moment as well. Uh, when yeah, and, and maybe a few web years services, Web services, which led to the cloud. Yes, sir. All right. So 
I think you've made a good case for uh, the good times are ahead and we've got nothing to worry about. It's just going to go through a lot of pain and uh, extreme weather conditions in the meantime. Well, I wouldn't say nothing to worry about. I think, uh, I think I'm being sarcastic. Okay, good. I, I would say uh, things are teed up if, if we don't mess it up. So what do we do just to sort of come full circle here? Uh, what do we do to not mess it up? Uh, well, everybody listening to this should buy my book. How's that? Well, that's fine. <laughs> I, I've Ain't going to be too many. It's I terrific. don't have to worry about that. What do we do to keep it keep from messing up? Well, I think uh, I think fundamentally it comes back to uh, renewing our faith in our, our free enterprise system and, and making free enterprise work. Uh, getting away from this, uh, uh, it's all about me attitude and, and understanding that uh, I can't survive unless you, or I can't succeed unless we all succeed. That's really the, 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 the message of America, I think. But that seems to be being undermined by the message of uh, it's, uh, you know, those are your jobs that are coming, are being lost by, you know, people coming in through the southern border. You know, there there have always been cross con- cross currents of of signals and ideas in American life, and it's only with the perspective of history that you get to say, "Oh, okay, well, this one was important, uh, or that one." And um, I I think there's a vote uh, today in in the Senate that will. Uh, probably disapprove of uh, Trump's border wall emergency scenario. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, uh, I think that that's the, uh, the zeitgeist of, of the country. Trump might veto it, but I think, uh, I think in retrospect in, in, in some future day, we'll say, well, that was an important turning point. And um, yeah, we're always going to have issues with borders, but that, that's, that's not what we're about as a country. That's not what we're about as an economy. We have to get him to sign the check so that we can take him to court. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we need we need to. I think at this stage we need to play play the game out. We need to get down to the to no time on the clock. I think uh, I think the American people in the in the next election will take care of the rest. Well, I, I think that that's exactly right. Uh, that's why I feel I can't wait for Biden to get. Uh, to get into the race so that we can get him out of the race. So you can get Biden out of the race? I, I mean, I think that Biden is uh, a great uh, driver for the shakeout of this field. So uh, I can't wait for him to actually make up his mind about running. I don't think that he's going to be uh, the Democratic nominee. I but, agree with you. Totally. Do you know that Joe Biden never lost an election? Uh, well, apparently not. Yeah. So how does that relate to what I just said? Well, it's just uh, it's just, more, you know, icing on the cake. I don't think I, I like you. I don't think he'll, he'll be the nominee. Um, I think he his presence could uh, cause a shakeout. I think uh, uh, there will be fewer candidates, um, which will be a good thing. I think uh, 
you know, if we could winnow the field um, this year before hard campaigning and voting actually happens, um, it'll be a much more orderly election. Yeah, and I think that the signs are that that's what is happening. Uh, yeah. Because this, you know, primary season is being run on television, not on, uh, uh, not in states. It's it's more of a, uh, it's a the strategy of winning the swing states, but not directly. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the uh, the revolution is being televised. Well. Thank you to uh, Gil Scott Heron. Oh, no, wait. To uh, What's your middle name? My middle name, Robert. Okay, so it's uh, Dennis Robert Pombriant. Uh, Hard. And uh, I'm Steve Gilmore, and this has been uh, another edition of GGX. You got anything else to tag on this, or are we done? Always a pleasure to chat with you, Steve. Likewise. Talk to you soon. All right, Bye. Bye.